0: This is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. This is the 19th edition of Sports and Stuff. And today we have a very special guest, a former pro boxer and a former Donald Trump bodyguard, Mike Susky. Did I pronounce your last name correctly, Mike? Yes, you did. Good to know. Mike, I want to give a little background about you to our listeners before we start our conversation. Uh, Mike Susky made the U.S. boxing team in high school. And he was a U.S. Olympic hopeful back in about 1992. Mike, at the height of his professional boxing career in the mid-1990s, was ranked among the top ten in the world, and he has had fights that were featured at that time on Fox, the USA Network, and ESPN. Uh, as noted, Mike had a run as Donald Trump's bodyguard in the 1990s, which we will certainly discuss today. Mike overcame some major health and personal problems and went back and got a college degree, and he's now a business owner and a personal trainer. Mike is the author of a new book, Small Town Boxer, Take a look at Mike's website, BoxerMike.com, and you can go to Amazon and get a copy of Mike's book. Mike, uh, first of all, thank you for coming on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio.
1: Uh, thank you, man. Uh, I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Good to have you uh, join our, our, my show and our station. Well, Mike, I want to start with this first question. You've probably never gotten this as a first question. I know you've been doing a lot of interviews lately. But uh, tell me your favorite boxing movie. Uh, I'm going to give you a couple ideas. One of the Rocky movies, Raging Bull, Million Dollar Baby. What's your favorite boxing movie, Mike?
1: Uh, you know what? I used to I love the Raging Bull, and, and until De Niro started popping off, man. That was my favorite boxing <laughs> movie.
0: You know what? Well, Ruined it for me. I want to give you a little secret. I think that's my favorite boxing movie too. Well, I want to start with that. Uh, yeah, great movie, Robert De Niro. Uh,
1: yeah, it was just a good movie.
0: No doubt about it. came out in 1980. Well, Mike, I think the listeners are curious about how an upper-middle-class uh, white kid in Michigan got involved in boxing back in the 1980s. I read, Mike, is it true that you started boxing after losing a fight in junior high school?
1: Yep. I was a big-time uh, wrestler. I was a class tough guy. You know, I was uh, unbeatable. Football Defensive football player of the year. Yeah, I was just a tough kid, man. I won, won a bunch of medals wrestling. That was my sport. Wrestling. It was my sport. I was a great wrestler. And I got a black guy from a black belt, and I was like, man. Uh, and I felt foolish. I, I was more embarrassed than anything, you know. And uh, I learned that in, you know, I thought I was a tough guy. I could, I could throw bolos, and and I looked like a fish out of water trying to punch at this black belt.
0: But that fight you got into it really helped galvanize your boxing career, didn't it?
1: Oh, it changed my life. That was like that was the biggest moment of my life, hands down. I mean, it you know it was um, it got me into boxing, and then boxing was a vehicle, and it took boxing took me everywhere. You know, I and mean, I like I said, I was making when you're on the U.S. boxing team, you make money. You know, and I'm in high school making a couple grand on a you know, for a big show fight. And they give you per diem money, which adds up real quick because everything's paid for you know and then um then you know I was ranked ten in the world as a pro, and I was you know making i was knocking out monthly checks from for my promoter and then big big- you know money fights and all that, so not bad money back just, then. Uh, well i i yeah nobody lived you know I didn't have a whole lot of money, you know I wasn't like
0: making millions.
1: But the money I did have, I, I nobody had nothing on me the way I
0: lived. It was <laughs> I had it down. Sure seems like it. Well, Mike, I've done some pre-show research about you, and I've read that the late Muhammad Ali has been described as a hero to you and your father. What role has Muhammad Ali had in your in your life and career?
1: Well, he's the reason why I was born, you know. And uh, my dad loved Ali, and Ali had. Three girls and and it had a boy. My dad had three girls all year apart. Bing, Bing, Bing. He's trying to get a boy. But that was a big time wrestler. He's one of the best in history. And, and you know he's was a jock and all that. And he, and he was a professional pool player. He's a he's a bar thug too. You know bar bar fighter, professional pool player. Okay. He always wanted a boy. He always wanted a boy. My dad loved Ali. Ali was like Ali was like you know a god to my dad. And so he saw, my, my dad saw Ali have a have a boy after three girls. And then four years after they stopped trying, my dad said to my mom, hey, man, let's try having a boy. And then, uh, and then 19 years later, after they had me, I was at the Hoosier Dome, and Ali sat ringside when I won. A, the only belt you could win in boxing was at the International Black, Black Expo. It was the only belt you could win back then in, in the Open Division. You know, as a national title, and I'll leave the ringside, and he signed my belt. Couldn't believe it. Greatest moment of my life.
0: I bet that autograph's worth a lot of money, Mike.
1: I don't know, but uh, w- w- I ain't gonna find out. <laughs> okay,
0: gotcha. <laughs> this is Paul Schneiderman on Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with former boxer and former Donald Trump bodyguard Mike Suski. Um, Mike, I read that you. Made the U.S. boxing team, but you did not make the U.S. Olympic team in 1992. What happened?
1: Uh, I got a concussion. I had a bunch of heart fights coming out of Michigan, and so I won the Michigan uh, title to go to the Eastern Nationals for the box off there. Yeah, I won a spot to represent Michigan in, in the Olympic trials, and then um, so go go to the Eastern Nationals, and and I had um. Like I said, I didn't even want to go. I was so depressed from the, con- you know, back then. Nobody talked about it. It was amazing. Nobody talked about the concussion. Sure. it wasn't even, even, it wasn't on the radar whatsoever. And then the depression, that was a post symptom of a concussion, depression. I, I used to get so depressed, you know, and then a couple weeks later, you got to go fight in the nationals. You know, you had different levels, right? You have to win the state, the U.S. regionals, and then you go to the nationals, and, by the time I'd make the Nationals, I, you know, I'd be, you know, that, that particular time, I'd make the Nationals, I you know, I was really depressed from the concussions I got. guys, yeah, so my first fight, I fought the Pennsylvania champ and beat him, beat him easy. And then, um, then in the quarterfinals, I fought Fraza Quindo, who went on to be heavyweight heavy world champ. And he was real fast. You know, I won the fight. Everybody there said I won the fight. But I lost on a three two split and um, and he, he he was real he's just like a junk fighter man. He was just he'd bring <laughs> it down to his level.
0: This is Paul Schneierman again on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, former pro boxer and former Donald Trump bodyguard uh, Mike Susky. Mike, you mentioned uh, a minute ago that uh, you had a connection to John McCain that many years ago Senator John McCain, did an investigation on corruption in boxing, and he focused on uh, one of your contracts as evidence. And you mentioned you had an uncle who knew John McCain. Tell us about your connection again to John McCain.
1: Oh, uh, well, I, I didn't know my uncle. I, I had a great uncle, Ed, and he was a big-time state rep, all union back. He was one of the biggest thugs in the world. <laughs> and, um, yeah, he was a bad dude, man. He robbed <laughs> banks, and, and, yeah, they used to hurt people badly. But anyways, um, so my, you know, my family's kind of plugged in and, um, and I had a bad contract from Jackie Kalen was my promoter. And, um, and it was a 60-40 contract. Uh, she got 40, I got 60. And, and in, uh, most states in America, that was illegal, uh, on a contract, uh, you know, entertainment contracts, so you can only, the promoter can only get a third, you know, 33.3 percent and you know they're getting 40 on this so anyways um but in Michigan I guess that was legal and uh but it, it, was, it was a raw deal and then, and then so um uh I was you know I was an, I was an amateur so they weren't supposed to pay me but all amateurs got paid you know like De La Hoya you know I knew all them guys and a lot of my friends got paid to spar with the sparring partners you know the world champions and they use, and they wouldn't pay me money on that. I, it was just a bad setup for me, man.
0: Isn't that and, something? Um,
1: so my dad got my my dad got that contract into John McCain's hands, and it was such a bad contract. I didn't sign it. I walked away, and um. So uh, it was such a bad contract. That was one of the centerpieces of the corruption of of boxing, for you know professional boxing.
0: That is really an interesting story, Mike. Well, I know that you, in the early 90s, uh, were a bodyguard for for President Trump. Uh, He wasn't president, of course, at the time. And uh, tell us about that whole deal. How would you get connected to be Donald Trump's bodyguard?
1: Well, uh, the uh, bodyguards, uh, Trump was in bankruptcy. Back in the late 80s, he he got his ass handed to him. (laughs) He was in bankruptcy. And... um, and so on the, so he's chopping, you know, he had chopping blocks. They're getting, you know, they're trying to reduce, you know, the payout.
0: Right. And
1: having armed bodyguards down down in Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, was, you know, it's pretty expensive. So, and it's Palm Beach, you know, it's not real crazy. You know, up in New York, you have to have an armed, armed bodyguard, but, you know, not so much down in Palm Beach. So anyway, so the, uh, the bodyguards down in Florida lost their guns. And then, so now, you know, he, he had to be able to knock people out. You know, I, you know, he still needed to be protected, so you, you know, he needed tough guys, and that's how I got the job. My, While well, my uncle was head security for Trump, and then, um, and you know, at that, yeah, you know, I really was. I was a national champion boxer, but boxing was just something I did to be able to back up. You know, I was a street thug for the most part. You know, I got in so many bar fights and street fights you know, before I could even drink, I was in a bunch of bar fights. So anyways, legally, before I could drink legally, I'm sorry, I was in a bunch of bar fights. So anyways, uh, so my uncle knew knew my past, you know, and I said, hey, come on down, I, I need a thug, and so that's how I got the job.
0: Did you Did you like uh, spending time with Donald Trump?
1: Oh, he's great. He's a great boss, man. He, he was a very considerate man. It's, and he was real quiet. When I worked for him, you never knew what he was thinking. You know, he kept his thoughts to himself, and he was like an army officer. Man, you did not know what he was thinking whatsoever. I mean, he was in charge of the moment. I mean, he was the boss, and he was. Uh, he, in, in his guests, he always, you'd always go around and ask people what they wanted to eat, what they wanted to drink. He's a really gracious host for his parties. You know, he made sure everybody had a good time.
0: Really interesting. This is Paul Schneierman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with former boxer and Donald Trump bodyguard Mike Susky. Go to BoxerMike.com to learn more about uh, Mike's new book, Small Town Boxer. Uh, Mike, Larry King, the the well-known broadcaster, he's known Donald Trump for many years. And Larry was interviewed recently, Mike, and he said that Donald Trump as president is not the same friend that he once knew. He feels that Donald Trump was a much more moderate guy, on politics. He just thinks he's a much different guy as, as president than he was as Larry's friend uh, before he became president. Do, do you agree with Larry on that at all?
1: Yeah, I do. I, you know, what you know, I think I think he saw how feminine Obama was, and how leading from behind uh, was very very detrimental. Leading from behind, you know, you know, in this world, you cannot lead from behind if you're the boss. And uh, so I think Trump saw, uh, there was a hatred of Obama, okay? And I think Trump saw that hatred and went in the opposite direction, you know, and uh, the leading from behind. Obama, you know, it was just, it's incredible the stuff that Obama got away with. Like, when he pulled the troops out of Iraq, this is what you'll never hear. Millions of people got killed because of sectarian violence when, when Obama pulled all them troops out and nobody says a word about it and uh and 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 it's just amazing that nobody nobody ever talked about it
0: mike i could talk to you more about uh i could talk to you more about trump uh obama stuff very interesting but i got another question for you donald trump said recently that it was up to him he would have gone in himself if he could have and tried to break up that florida school shooting Mike, you were a former bodyguard of Donald Trump's. Do you buy that? Do you think Trump would have actually done that?
1: You know, I don't, you know I, I, who knows? I know, like I said, he, he cared a lot about people. I do know that. He loved, he loved Joe Blow. This is, this is this how crazy he was with the average person. He would send a Greyhound bus down to Miami, right? And go to the modeling agencies, and whoever the model vouched for got on that bus, right? So their boyfriends or their parents, a lot of times they bring their parents up, or, or their brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, right? And the the bus is unvetted. We, we had no security on that damn bus. And we're going down, filling it up with pe- strangers. Trump was filling that bus up with strangers to come back to his Mar-a-Lago party.
0: You thought he was a really nice and, guy then? And, uh, Huh? You thought he was a really nice guy in that era.
1: Well, yeah, but, but that was crazy. I mean, that is absolutely insane. We didn't even pat these people down, and they're going into a, a Palm, you know, Mar-a-Lago party. And, and you know, and it bugged us bodyguards. Because, you know, like I said, it, it was, the whole thing was unvetted. It was totally unsecure. I mean, it, it, it couldn't get more unsecured. And then... And then, so it took me a while to figure this out, you know, because that kind of bugged me for years. And I and, and I figured he, that's who he wanted to talk to. He'd, he'd gravitate to Joe Blow, some some model's brother. And he, I, I'd sit there and watch him sit there and talk to some guy or, or girl all night and, or talk to the parents. So I saw him. I had to stand for three hours straight as he, he talked to his, uh It was five, I think it was a the cheerleader, the, the professional cheerleaders that come in from Miami and, and buffalo bills and stuff like that. I think it was a cheerleader. Her parents. He talked to her, her parents all night for hours, and I had to stand right there the whole damn time. And and he uh, and he give everybody a hug and a kiss goodnight.
0: Interesting he stories.
1: Loved to, well, he, he loved to talk to anybody. You know what I mean? He, I think he realized how fortunate he was to be who to be born into what he was. And Trump was born into that. A lot of people don't realize that. And uh, I, I think he was really gracious for that. It's the only thing I could like, think of why he, why he did that. Well, we appreciate you sharing. To
0: you. We appreciate you sharing a little more about the present, some stories that uh, most of us did not know yeah. about. Uh, Mike, you and I are a similar era. We both grew up in the 70s and 80s. When I was growing up, I used to watch boxing with my late dad and late grandfathers. My grandfathers in particular were fight fans and boxing was on a lot of the major networks, and it was really a big deal. It seems like boxing's become a little more fringe now. How, how do you think boxing can bounce back as a sport, Mike?
1: Well, it's coming back. I mean, the, the NBC's doing them fight nights now. They're doing, you know, like they did back in the old days. And um, I, I think the money the money's knocking down. I, I don't think they're paying out. You know, like they used to millions for the fights. I think the fighters are... Are taking less money and they're more, um, they're hungrier to get 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 on TV and fight, you know. So I, the, 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 the dynamics are changing big time for sure. And I and the UFC, I think, took a big bite out of boxing also. But uh, like I said, NBC is having having uh, weekly or monthly boxing matches. You know, big 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 title fights. You know, on on just regular TV. So. I think it's coming
0: back. Interesting, interesting analysis, uh, Mike. At one time, the late Howard Cassell said in the '80s, I believe it was, that boxing needs to be—if boxing's not cleaned up, it needed—it needs to be banned. Do you agree with Cassell? Well,
1: I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. It wasn't—it wasn't that dirty, you know what I mean? You, uh, they didn't force you to sign it, you know. They enticed you to sign it. If you signed, signed a bad deal, then you know what I mean? And, and uh, Don King made Mike Tyson more money than anybody ever could, you know? What know do you- Don, King, Don King wanted to sign me. Don King set up a sit down. He wanted to have a sit down with me when I was, when I was boxing out of Florida when I worked for Trump. I fought main events down there in, in the amateurs. And, I, you know, I was a real good fighter and I put on a great show. So anyway, Don King wanted to have a sit-down with me. And, and at that time, you know, he had so much bad press, I, I didn't even go to the meeting. So I told him I didn't want to talk.
0: What do you think of Don King? Do you like him?
1: Don King? Yeah. Well, you know he's a murderer, right? He, he, he worked for the mob. He's a collector from the mob, and he, and he, uh, he kicks some guys' brains out. I thought it was he, manslaughter.
0: That's, that's... I thought yeah, it was manslaughter.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, I mean, he, still, he beat the guy to death, kicking him in the head.
0: Interesting guy.
1: Yeah, you know, but he, but he, he was an enforcer for the mob, so the mob paid off, paid off whoever, and then he, you know, he got a slap on the wrist. That's how it worked.
0: He's still going at it, darn right, king.
1: Trump said, Trump said he couldn't make a building in New York without the unions and all that, and that's all mob, you know, and that's all, that's that's what his daddy did. Fred Trump was one of the biggest builders in New York history. And all growing up, Fred, Fred got in the mob connections. Cause you couldn't make nothing in New York back in the 80s without the mob. And that's how my dad was. My dad, them union thugs back in Flint, Michigan. You didn't make nothing in Flint, Michigan unless it was union labor. Because come, uh, they would wait. My dad, dad and his crew would wait until the building was up where they can inflict the most money damage on the builders if they use scab labor. They'd wait. They, they knew when to go in there, and they knew exactly what what uh, what uh, uh, facets to take apart and how de- how to destroy the buildings. And, you know, that's what they did. Paul and, Schne- and that's how New York was, too.
0: This is Paul Schneierman on Sports & Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, former boxer Mike Susky. We appreciate all your background information, Mike. Uh, what do you think of the uh, pay-per-view cards these days of boxing, the, the PPV cards? There's some criticism that... Uh, a lot of consumers aren't always getting the best fights. What's your take on that, Mike?
1: Yeah, you know, it's your call. You know, if you want to, you want take a chance. Uh, you know, Mayweather, uh, his fights is always boring. I don't know why anybody would pay to see that. <laughs> uh, you know, I did, I did like the, I did like the. Uh, the the McGregor-Mayweather fight, though, because McGregor did way better than I ever thought he could. I mean, McGregor, it blew me away how good M- McGregor did because McGregor fought Mayweather better than a lot of world champions did, for sure. So I was really blown away by that. But, uh, He's a good yeah, fighter. I think, yeah, I, I'm not, pay-per-view, I think, is really taking a hit. I don't think too many people are paying, you know, anymore. And then you have, like, NBC and NBC are putting on fights you know, putting, putting on title fights just on, on NBC. So I think that's really taking a hit on pay-per-view because unless it's like a mega fight, I, I really don't see any advertisement on pay-per-view anymore.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's changing a little bit, uh, the whole PPV thing. Yeah, big
1: time. And then they have that, that cage fighting on on the uh, on the cable networks all the time. You know, you can get cage fighting 24-7 on cable networks. I mean, why would you pay $100 you know uh, to watch a pay-per-view cage fight when
0: I mean, you have you
1: have all the contests the cage fighting contests all that stuff right on right on um, cable network
0: that's a good point yeah i kind of kind of wonder about that whole uh, pay-per-view thing well mike um i know that you went through some depression and you you suffered you had uh some concussions but you're able to bounce back and get a college degree and now you're a uh, father and a husband, a small business owner. Tell us about how you bounced back after going through uh, some major health issues and personal issues.
1: Well, yeah, yeah I drank. I was—I don't know if you could say I was an alcoholic, but I drank uh, way too much. I could stop when I had to, but I still still drank a lot, and I was really depressed after my boxing career because I was supposed to do a lot better, and, uh, you know, I failed. In my mind, I failed, and that was hard, you know. That was my life. When you're a boxer, that's all you do. You know what I mean? There's no, you, you don't go to college, you don't get a degree. You know, you don't have a job. You, you're a boxer. That's what you do. You know, and and then at the end, at the end of the road, you know, you ain't got nothing. You know, I was busy boxing, traveling around, doing that instead of getting an education and getting a good job. You know, so at the, at the end of my boxing career, I had nothing, man. I blew all my money. I had a good time though. I, you know, I never take it back. I had a great time spending my money, but, um, you know, I was broke and, and desolate basically. And luckily my wife took care of me and, and we weren't married, but we lived together for many years. And eventually we got married and, um, it's been the best thing I ever did was marry my wife and have a family and so yeah, it was hard boxing, and and the thing was back in my day they didn't know about it, you know, like the 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 uh, the brain damage and the concussions and the depression, like I never knew uh, depression was a post symptom of a concussion. Nobody ever talked about that. You know, that was that was so in eighty. I fought in the eighty eight Olympic trials, and I got a concussion sparring with the Bird Boys. They were they were vicious man. We had gym wars, man, sparring. Sparring was all out, man. We tried to kill each other, and I, get, I got a concussion during, during you know, they train. They had a good shot at the 88, 88 Olympics, so they're training really hard, and I'm trying to keep up with them. And uh, so they beat the hell out of me. And uh, so I made the, 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 the nationals, the Eastern Nationals. I represented Michigan in the Olympic trials. And um, I didn't even want to go. I was so depressed. And I I remember sitting with my dad, just crying, because I was, didn't know what was happening. You know, them guys are beating me up. And you know, just a week before, I was holding my own with these guys. These are, they're all national champions, world ranked fighters. You know? Hey, Mike, don't don't mean to cut yeah.
0: you off. We're almost ending at, ending the interview. Uh, what does the future hold for Mike Susky?
1: uh i'm getting into acting man i am in Casa, casablanca acting school and they love me and they're gonna push me uh on the hollywood agents they love me there
0: well let, and, let's stay uh, in touch I'll be,
1: best, I'll be the best thug that ever got on the plane, man.
0: <laughs> look forward I'm to the it
1: real deal
0: look forward to it mike
1: hey put me in a room put me in a room with robert de Niro. i'll make him cry in two minutes man guarantee you that
0: interest that'd be an interesting meeting mike thank you for coming on sports and stuff